This episode of Channel KRT is dedicated to the life and memory of Emilio Delgado, a.k.a. Luis from Sesame Street. We recorded this episode a couple days prior to his passing and were absolutely devastated at the timing of this tremendous loss. It's always a sad time when a beloved member of such an iconic show passes, and although we do a lot of riffing in this episode, we do it out of love and respect for the topic at hand and not at the expense of the people involved. We offer our condolences to the friends and family of Emilio Delgado, and may he rest in peace. In Spanish or in English, it's still the same. When you meet somebody new, just tell them your Welcome to another episode of Channel KRT, the podcast that talks about obscure and nostalgic media, but most importantly, does not condone eating the pictures because you just don't want paper cuts in your stomach, man. Trust me, <laughs> I learned that from experience. Oh, God. Ooh. Yeah. Starting this off with some body horror, yes. Yay! I'm Kate Quinn, only 100% summoned by Snuffy and Big Bird. <laughs> I'm Randy Martin, broken and beautiful, which is also my MySpace bio. <laughs> and we have another double guest episode. This time we've got a returning guest and a new guest. First off, welcome back to the show, David Ganzel. You thought Woo! you were rid of me, but I returned. <laughs> no! no! Damn it, get back in the canceled water. <laughs> get back in the Big Rock canceled mountain. <laughs> I'm so sick of this Big Rock candy culture. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and we have a new guest. You know her from the Twitter feed at Bad Folklorist. You know her from the podcast at Home with the Dogginses. Please welcome Alexandra Dreyer Doggins. Yay. You can just call me Agans. A- a- that works out just fine. <laughs> also, they're one of the cutest married couples on the internet, so worship them. Oh, yes, well, yes, you. they yes. are. Yes. Aww. Yeah. We make you want to give heterosexuality a chance. <laughs> But only barely. (laughs) Wait, what's marriage? I don't know. (laughs) You see, marriage is... It just is. Is is that like a type of bird or something? You see, when a furry Muppet and a hand meet, and then they, you know, I never mind. (laughs) Marriage is when two people get in front of a demon and have to weigh their heart against a feather. You see, when a giant bird and a snuffleupagus love each other very, very much. <laughs> they, they adopt a tiny Egyptian child that has not been seen for 6,000 years. Yes. Yay! Anubis is going to fucking kill all of us. <laughs> so we are making history today in that we are crossing over with a paywall podcast right now. <laughs> More specifically, we are crossing over to talk about Don't Eat the Pictures, a Sesame Street special aired in 1983. Yep, and holy shit, we're gonna get existential today. You're goddamn right, oh my god. It's appropriate that you are crossing over with this paywalled podcast, because I think Tyler and Kit make up most of the listenership of our paywalled podcast. <laughs> there we go. Aww, That thanks. is true, actually. Aww. <laughs> 
Uh, once I get more money, I'll be able to. <laughs> it's me, the only guy who watches the embarrassing old crap. <laughs> <laughs> See, there was one, baby. Ah, I knew it was worth posting that shit. I mean that, though, because watching some of the stuff you made for school legitimately reminds me of the shit that me and my friends used to make in, like, middle school and stuff. So, like, it's Aww. so nostalgic. Yes, I yeah. gotta watch it because it's so cute. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that posting that did have a point after all, beyond Aww. just my own self-indulgence. <laughs> I mean, hey, before I officially started dating Tony and met you, I remember that I was binging uh, Dave Does Disney and all the Florida videos yes. for several months. So, hey, it all checks <laughs> out. <laughs> yeah, as we mentioned, you guys have talked about Don't Eat the Pictures a little bit on your show, so yes. what is your relationship specifically? So on our show, one of the many sub-series we do is called Things We Kinda Remember, where we discuss things that we're kind of nostalgic for but haven't really revisited. And we did a couple of episodes on Sesame Street stuff that was in the periphery of our memory. Yes. That's right. And I was completely unfamiliar with this specific special, but Allie had a lot of memories of it. Yeah, this is one, yes. of, one of the five videotapes that we had at our house that would get like played on constant. I think the other was like Little Mermaid, uh, Beauty and the Beast, uh, Pulp Fiction, and I think some sort of family. <laughs> one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> My favorite scene in Don't Eat the Pictures is when they accidentally shoot the guy in the back. <laughs> one! One time that Marvin was shot in the face. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> Say what again! Say what again! Me dare you! Me double dare you! <laughs> yeah, as you can tell, one of those tapes was left by my uncle one of the times he came to stay over. So. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> But yeah, listening back to the episode yesterday, Allie, I'm surprised how much of this you remember because a lot of what you predicted was spot on. I, yes. Yeah, no, it's one of those very few things like hooked into my brain the way that that special did. And every so often I'm like, I should revisit it like prior to that. And I'm like, no, no. And it's like, I'm worried. I was worried about like, you know, going back and like, oh, really? This is what I've like made two thirds of my personality on. Is this this fucking like special? <laughs> and then I'm like, no. And then I rush, I'm like, yeah, no, I remembered way, way more of this than I thought I did. And it was like scary how much of it was just sort of like on par with it. And right? it fucking rips too, I gotta say. Yes. The one major detail that I think you didn't remember when we recorded that episode is the utterly inexplicable James Mason yeah. cameo. <laughs> James oh yeah. Well, th yes. that was the thing, because I think I just didn't know who James Mason was, so I just didn't connect the two. But then when I saw it, I was like, wait, what the fuck? James Mason was in this thing? And I'm like, oh, this was the goddamn demon. Holy shit. <laughs> God damn, that fucking, that, I'll go into my history in a little bit, but that shit scared the fuck out of me. No, yeah, that like really, what a seed deep within me that has like, like blossomed in some strange ways like over the years. I'm like, yeah. Uh, based on what I know about Egyptian mythology, because, you know, I fully blame the special for turning me into a pagan. Nice. <laughs> there are only two deities in ancient Egyptian mythology that I would consider demons. One of them is Set, who, you know, is a thing. I don't know what the fuck he is. <laughs> and the other one is Apophis, who takes the form of a giant snake. Neither of which look like James Mason. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. This was my shit as a kid. Yes. I had the tape and I fucking loved it and I watched it 
all the fucking time. I think there were some bits that freaked me out, but I still loved it because it was almost like in an intriguing way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Plus, like I said, I fully blame the special for etching the path that would lead to me becoming a pagan witch. Yes. <laughs> Which, by the way, I do have my little Horus statue here with me since we're on that subject. Nice. I watched this shit constantly. You already know what my verdict is going to be at the end of this podcast, so... Hell yeah! I think we all know what our verdict is going to be at the end of this podcast, let's be real. (laughs) We're not going to say it now, but we gotta gotta stick to the formula. I actually think, weirdly, with this film, it's sort of like kind of what led me down my really weird career path in a way that I guess I never considered until this moment. I got this film and the mix of files of Mrs. Fred Basley Frankwell around the same time. Ooh. Which I think is in a weird way a good companion piece to this TV show. <laughs> Another overnight museum story. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, like, I kind of feel like in a weird way this kind of influenced, like, I've worked almost exclusively in, like, museum and nonprofit arts for my entire career. And I feel like it is kind of because of this fucking film is, like, what brought yes. me down that way. I could be That's making so more cool. money in tech, but instead <laughs> I do this instead. <laughs> But this is fun. I don't know if this counts as a history, but I've sort of been to the Met, I guess. Oh, nice. We went oh. to like a little bit of it and then we were like, eh, we want to see the rest of New York and left. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a mood. <laughs> but next time I will like go all over the place because I want to see some of that ancient Egyptian shit. Oh, you should. Yes. It's amazing. And there's also a really great Disney exhibition that's actually at the Met right now. Ooh. Oh, nice. Okay. <gasps> nice. Yeah, so I feel like if you want to go, maybe now's a good time to roll down. So my history with the special, basically, I won't go into too many details about my history with Sesame Street because it's my Muppet history, basically. The whole, I just, I got into it when I was 10 and then kind of started getting super into it as I got older and older. I went through various Sesame Street hyperfixations throughout my life and I'm pretty much in a permanent one now because even if I'm not like super hyperfixated, I'm like, I still love it. Love those puppets, love everything about it. And yeah. Yes. No disrespect to modern Sesame Street. It's perfectly fine. It's good for kids and all that. But 80 Sesame Street was a whole level of awesome. And this special was. <laughs> yes. Yes. Like, I, f- I swear, like, late 70s, early 80s Sesame Street is when the crew was like, fuck it. If we've been on for this long now, we're not getting taken off the air anytime soon. Let's just throw literally fucking anything at the wall. Yeah. See also the Drew Carey show. (laughs) It was also the fact that most of the original performers were still involved with that at the time. So they could just go all to the wall with what they wanted to do with it. So, yes. Yeah. We watched the uh, the Street Gang documentary not too long ago. Yeah, yeah. I still yeah. need to see that. Need oh to my see gosh. That. Yeah. that was so good. It's very good. And I'm hoping that we follow the trajectory that Mr. Rogers went through. Of, there was a big hit documentary and then there was a biopic film of sorts. Yes. So I'm hoping yeah. we get a uh, semi-fictionalized behind-the-scenes Sesame Street movie soon. And if that happens, Allie and I were reminded watching this special again how much Bob looks like Steve Coogan. So there's Holy that guy right there. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> that would be perfect. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I can see it. Oh my God. Yeah. I will be there day one as long as we are specifically promised. One, horrifying crackhead Snuffy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Two, a full on reenactment of the Wicked Witch episode. Yes. <laughs> yes. 
it's a special that I don't think I've watched quite as much as, say, Follow That Bird or Christmas Eve on Sesame Street because it gets me so damn emotional and existential. But I've watched it quite a few times and it definitely slaps. It's just such a great special that really shows not just the great chemistry that the Sesame Street Muppets can have when visiting new places and all the comedic scenarios, but also just the sheer emotional death, too. Yeah, especially here. God, this is definitely one of the more emotional specials. Yeah. So my relationship with this special is that I didn't get to see it as a kid. My era of Sesame Street is more so I grew up with the late 90s, early 2000s versions where characters like Bob and Linda, Gordon and Susan were still on the show. So it's always great to see them pop up and stuff, which side note. I understand that, you know, everybody's getting older and stuff, but it really was a sad day for modern Sesame Street when those characters had to go. Yes. I love the humans in Sesame Street. They're great. Oh, my God. Bob and Gordon. I have actually met Gordon. Oh, no way. Yeah. Yeah. That actor. When I used to work at a theater company in D.C., we had a show that was about boxing and he was in it. And he was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When I realized that he was there. And I just started crying. Aww. <laughs> he looks like he's like, you reckon me from Sesame Street? Like, yeah. And he's like, this happens all the time. He's just like, you know, it's like I've been doing this for like 45 years. I'm used to this right now. And I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. I promise I won't do this every night. He's like, you better not. And I'm like, he's very, very sweet about it too. Aww. I didn't get to know uh, Roscoe too well, but like Roscoe is a very great dude. And is just like, we'll be nice to, he's nice. To, Cause he knows like so many of us grew up with him basically that's awesome it was like wild to remember what he looked like in his like slightly younger days like (laughs) watching this i was like god everybody was like younger back then because i remember (laughs) when i watched it when i was a kid i was like god everybody looks so old i'm like wow everybody looks so young and vibrant now (laughs) yeah like the sesame street i grew up with like you have bob in like his mid to late 70s and you have gordon like starting to push 50 It's like so weird to see them in a much younger phase. And I'm pretty sure you guys know this, but David had long left the show at this point. So Mm -hmm. I have Mm -hmm. like no recollection of him at all. All I remember is that he was a massive dick in the Wicked Witch episode. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Also, uh, considering this was made in 1983, uh, unfortunately, no Elmo. So we can't make any Rocco jokes. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Let me get it out of the way. How? How is Rocco? Oh man! How is Rocco gonna eat the pictures? (laughs) (laughs) Can Elmo have an oatmeal raisin picture? (laughs) (laughs) Just God damn it! I'm a. You know what? Maybe it's for the better. Elmo's not in this. (laughs) You could so easily see a version of this special done, like even ten years later, where it's just Elmo goes to the museum, and Mm. that's the whole thing. I want to see Elmo fight a fucking demon so bad. (laughs) (laughs) My very first Sesame Street thing I ever saw was Elmo Says Boo. So I remember loving that special as a kid. And the part where Bert and Ernie find the mummy in the pyramid used to scare the crap out of me. Yes, same here. This scares the crap out of me. So I'm like, what is with Sesame Street and Egyptian culture and scaring the shit out of me? (laughs) Yeah. Kit, I'm so sorry. I thought at first you said Elmo Says Booze. (laughs) (laughs) Elmo would like some beer, please. God, all I can think about now is like Elmo showing up on Supernatural to fight a demon with the Winchester brothers now. Like, yes. Yes. 
Oh my Why god! Why did I get in a bar fight with Rocco? Get, get over like, it's here, like if if, if fucking Supernatural can get Paris Hilton for an episode as a demon, why couldn't they get Elmo? Yes, <laughs> if, if Supernatural can, they cross, can cross over, over with, with Scooby, yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> AKA the only good episode of Supernatural. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've been stopping real estate developers when we could have been hunting Dracula. Are you kidding me? My life is meaningless. <laughs> if there are ghosts, that means there's an afterlife. Heaven! Hell! Am I going to hell? We told you every freaking time! But did you ever listen to Scoob and me? No! We do. I have never watched Supernatural, to be completely fair. I just, just like... Neither have I. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Kit. I had the same video you had. I definitely had Elmo Says Boo. That part specifically scared the shit out of me because... Nobody really saw it coming. I guess the psychological aspect of it is that... Because the mummy looks so much like Ernie, you're just so unsettled by seeing this typically kind-hearted character be somewhat sinister. Yeah, it was just... And dead. It's funny because as a kid, I was scared by the stuff that was supposed to be funny, not the stuff that was supposed to be scary. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I might have talked about this on our podcast, but the Sesame Street segment that scared the crap out of me when I was little is when Ernie is making a statue of Bert out of clay, but he doesn't have enough clay for the nose, so he steals Bert's nose off of him and puts it on the (laughs) the statue. I was traumatized by that. (laughs) I mean, in all fairness, that is pretty nightmarish. You can just literally dismember your roommate at any given moment. And you have no qualms about it whatsoever. Michael Burtson. <laughs> you know, when they were making that segment, they were like, this is a silly joke that will make kids laugh. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I am not laughing. <laughs> I love the idea of just Jim pitching that to Frank and then just Frank being like, Jim, what the fuck are you on? <laughs> <laughs> Jim, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> I remember there was an episode of Blue's Clues where Steve scares Tickety Talk. And it scares her so bad that her fucking facial features fly off. Oh, God. All her fucking clock pieces and stuff. It traumatized the shit out of me. <laughs> to the point where whenever she was on screen, I would just be apprehensive. Like, oh, my God, please don't be the episode. Please don't be the episode. <laughs> okay, and, like, okay. looking back at it now, I was like, I was scared of that? I mean, there's worse things for me to be traumatized by as a kid, you know? Yeah. And also another fucked up thing about this special, I mean, maybe not fucked up, but holy hell, the emotions. This was aired very close to the Mr. Hooper episode. Mm. Oh, Uh, no. That's that's not surprising, yeah. Yeah. Imagine the emotional damage kids must have had watching this. Oh, my God. And this was during the Snuffy Isn't Real era, too. Uh, (laughs) my theory actually i've been saying this ever since the rocco thing became a meme my theory on why the adults are so quick to just treat rocco as if he actually is alive instead of just listen to elmo (laughs) because the one time the one time they kept saying big bird your snuffleupagus friend isn't real it turned out he was real so they really don't want to take any chances with this rock i would also argue that this special posits that snuffy is real yeah yeah yes because even though this was still the era where he was supposed to be the imaginary friend 
Snuffy almost kind of interacts with Paul Dooley at the end. That's so. right. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Going back into my relationship with Sesame Street. Love it. What else is there to say? Yes. <laughs> I've never seen this special specifically until I was older, but God damn, it just hits all the right notes. It really does. Yes. This was in the era where Sesame Street could still have that like 70s grit to it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were shooting on location, so they didn't have, you know, their proper studio lighting. Or sound control. Or sound control. Yeah. There, there's yeah. crazy echo going on. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> So everything has that kind of 70s cinema feel to it, despite also having Muppets walking around. (laughs) Dave, I will never, ever not say the words 70s gritty Sesame Street for the rest of my life. (laughs) You're welcome. Yes. I just love the idea of Big Bird not only having faced this, and then two years later, he's like, okay, I can finally relax. Then the events of Follow That Bird happen. (laughs) Jesus. God damn. Don't forget the time he got lost in Japan. God, yeah. Yeah. Rest in peace, Sally Kellerman. That poor little six-year-old has been traumatized so hardcore for the past 50 years. (laughs) my God. Oh, man. So it's not every day that you see a special guest star credit for a museum. Yeah. (laughs) The museum went on to have a very long career. (laughs) I mean, you're not wrong. (laughs) I've never heard of this museum until they popped up, but hey, I'm glad they got the special guest star credit. Yeah. (laughs) Good for them. And it's here that we get some really cute Muppet vignettes of them looking at all the pictures and everything and one of them i need to shout out is when big bird finds like a giant sculpture of a fountain and he drinks out of it and i'm just thinking to myself yeah he's gonna get several diseases from that yes <laughs> he's like that guy who was going around disney world fountains for tiktok oh, clout God. Oh, oh, that oh, God. one of my favorite little vignettes that had happened is actually i think with bob and susan when they're looking at the jackson pollock painting and bob is very much like i understand it and susan's like i have no idea what's happening and then they yeah. switch places <laughs> then she's like oh i get it now bob's like what the fuck is happening <laughs> i love yeah i love that look on bob's face of him just like performatively appreciating the art yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> I just adore all the humans' chemistry together. I especially love that Maria kind of has to be the straight man of the group. She just has to mm. go put up with basically all of this and then have to be everybody's mom. Just <laughs> It feels like everybody's the straight man of the group. Really, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, even the kids were very much like the straight man. Like, um, except for like that one little sequence where I feel like I don't know about most of y'all guys, but um, I have seen that Cezanne statue a billion times in my life because oh, it's nice. either been on tour. It's just like it's just a classic piece, and it's also a lot of museums have like a version of it. And every time I see it. There's always a group of little kids that immediately try to do the dancer pose. So I thought it was very cute that they had the little section where all the little kids were trying to do the dancer pose of like with the Saison ballerina. It's adorable and they write yeah. it so realistically too. And yeah. One thing I really didn't expect from a kid special involving these statues, they aren't afraid to show that most of these statues are nude. Yeah. 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 They show genitalia. This special contains the only tits you'll see on Sesame Street. <laughs> <laughs> And this was years before the Simpsons episode where Marge is trying to get the statue shown. So it's like, this was provocative. Which I, <laughs> yeah. I will say, you know, to kind of go to the, the statue sequences, were any of you also concerned about Oscar's boner that just happened? <laughs> yes. like, yes. like, wait, what? 
Just that, oh, that was boiling <laughs> sound when he hears about the trash room. Yeah. <laughs> because some of them fell off buildings or were buried during earthquakes <laughs> or were worn out by the sea, they are broken. <laughs> broken? Oh, God. I emphasize that in my notes that there is a sound effect where Oscar very clearly gets a boner over the prospect of broken statues god he is he spends a whole musical number singing about how much they're beautiful and broken and i keep thinking to myself this special should have just been called don't fuck the statues (laughs) busted and heavenly crashed from afar If it wasn't crazy enough that they had Oscar basically hit on the Wicked Witch during it. He has a type. (laughs) It makes sense that someone as dirty as Oscar is into some really weird shit. If any Muppet's gonna be horny, it's gonna be Oscar. (laughs) Absolutely. I would like to imagine that the crew that was behind Tommy Lee's penis and the Tom and Pammy TV show were the ones that were operating Oscar's boner for this. (laughs) (laughs) Oscar's boner, also voiced by Jason Mansukis. (laughs) Oh, and then also I love the Watchman played by Paul Dooley. He just he has so much fun. Yeah. The perfect reactions to all this nonsense. <laughs> the lone night guard at the Met. One man, one mustache. <laughs> I kind of felt that they wanted Avery Schreiber to play the Watchman. <laughs> oh my god, that would be perfect. And I, yeah. I guess the reason why is I'm thinking back to the Muppet Show sketch that he did. Yeah. <laughs> which is easily yeah. one of my favorite bits, of course. But I mean, Children's Television Workshop had Paul Dooley in their Rolodex because uh, he was the head writer for the first season of Electric Company. Oh, oh yeah! Nice. Yeah. And also, speaking of writers, I just also found out that the writer of The Land Before Time, an American tale, was the one who wrote this, so... Ah, Our hero of the 80s. Fuck yes. You're going to be a tree star. (laughs) (laughs) Also, this may just be me thinking back on the era I grew up on, but it just feels so wrong to see Oscar with legs walking around. (laughs) Yeah, the little fast motion of his feet just was like, no. That was a thing I think they did more in older Sesame Street era than they've done Mm -hmm. recently, where like if Oscar is mobile, it's just his trash can the lid is on but his legs are sticking out the bottom so he's basically like a turtle and the trash can is his shell yeah yeah i remember seeing the intro to the christmas time is sesame street special where they're all ice skating where you have these giant human-sized muppets playing with each other <laughs> and then yeah. oscar gets yeeted and then suddenly they're all back to like normal muppet size where, and where like in the wide shot it's like the sesame place walk around yeah and yeah yeah and then it's so wrong it's basically before they turned his trash can into the tardis basically yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes Maybe he has two trash cans. He has a travel can and a home can. There we go. True. <laughs> but yeah, as we were mentioning, there is a pretty okay fast motion sequence when Big Bird wanders off because he wants to go meet with Snuffy and everybody goes looking for him. It's a very Munsters fast very motion much, sequence. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Before stuff like Barney just overused it and just ruined it completely. <laughs> but there's a scene where Linda and 
Big Bird literally walk past each other and they don't notice it? What? And they do the whole bit where he has to run around the giant statue and then... (laughs) (laughs) At least Linda can't hear. So yeah. She has an excuse, but Paul Dooley keeps missing characters walking right past yes. him. <laughs> yeah, what the hell's up with that? I mean, he probably would have had a severe existential crisis if he saw the invisible cat, so... <laughs> Didn't you see the cat at the end, though? Or... At one point, he does, and he just sort of does, like, a head scratch and, like, a harump. Uh? It's basically the kind of gag where, in anything that's not for preschoolers, they then cut to the guy, like, pouring his alcohol out or something. <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't do, like, the whole putting his hand on his forehead and fainting thing at the end. Which, let's be honest, that would have fit his character perfectly. Fully. It's also, like, again, the Met is huge, but it only has one guard. You can hear how echoey the Met is in any scene with dialogue. Especially with Snuffy. So you would think, you would think that the sound of people anywhere in the Met would get back to that one guard at some point. It's basically a special you couldn't make today because security is so much better now. So it's like, (laughs) (laughs) for better or worse. Well, I mean, this special does pretty much imply that there are like thousand year old ghosts in the Met. So I guess he's just used to this shit at this point. (laughs) That's true. This is kind of a tangent, but I gotta wonder if all these stories about people getting locked in the museum overnight ended up making people just eventually say, okay, let's just have those sleepovers or field trips where you can stay overnight. I I would not be surprised, because I feel like um, I, as a child, multiple times tried to do that and failed miserably. (laughs) I would kill to, like, spend all night at the Smithsonian Air and Space. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. They do them. It's expensive as hell, but it's totally worth it. Nice. They do, yes. I wasn't supposed to, but I touched one of the World War II planes. Oh, you wouldn't have been the first. I worked a show where I had to keep people from touching the art, and I had like a kid lick the painting multiple times. And I oh feel no! Yeah. See, he didn't heed the warnings. He ate the pictures. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or he tried to at least. If these planes could survive battle in the air, getting shot at, they can survive me giving them a little boop on the wing. And now it only hurts when you touch it. <laughs> touch. Do I have to follow you all day? <laughs> I fucking love Oscar's line. I've got a suggestion. Let's panic. And he's just so happy Me. about it. <laughs> he is like in his happy. It's like, oh my God, it's destruction. Chaos is happening. <laughs> my God, this is the best day ever. <laughs> Oscar the Grouch is why I'm such a pessimist edgelord nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> there's also like when they're all starting to look for Big Bird, there's a whole wide shot of all the characters splitting up to look for Big Bird. Over the wide shot, you hear Oscar and Telly talking to each other, even though you see Oscar and Telly is nowhere near him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> no, and that's I, the thing. Why does Telly sound so wrong in this? I think they were still developing the voice. Right. Yeah. Was it Martin P. Robinson around this time? or He's portrayed by Brian Mule in this. I'm sorry if I'm getting his name wrong, but in the DVD version... He's dubbed over by Martin P. Robinson. Gotcha. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think the version on YouTube is the VHS version. Yeah. But not yeah. No, that, that is. Yeah. So they updated his voice later. Yeah. 
Yeah, on the IMDb page, somebody actually pointed out because they kept saying the special came out in 1987, but because that was an error, so they must have been referring to the DVD or the VHS, maybe? It aired on TV in 1983 and was available on VHS in 1987 and then DVD in 2011. So that's the history of this particular special. Huzzah! I found this out when I was doing research. This was being made at the same time as the Muppets Take Manhattan. Oh, nice. What? No way. That's literally why Frank and Jim are there for like a day doing their bit. Although (laughs) Frank is in it a lot considering he was directing Muppets Take Manhattan at the time. Yeah. Did he just (laughs) decide, okay, I'm just going to do all of this in one day because I got to get back to directing my first film ever. So (laughs) I guess he must have been pulling all nighters doing this shit. Just high on God knows what. Yeah, somebody just uh, offered him a, a, a boatload of cocaine and just being like, come on, friend, let's just get this done. <laughs> I'm wondering if Jim even set foot in the museum during production because the only Jim character in this is Ernie. And the only scene where he has dialogue is the uh, Washington crossing the Delaware scene, which is all in front of one wall that easily could have been a set. True. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, he still gets a decent amount of billing in this, so I'm not sure what the deal would be exactly he's in a lot of wide shots and he's in the montage at the beginning a lot yeah yeah but that could have been another muppeteer substituting during that actual shoot it's also like i'm assuming that they filmed most of this at night because that would be the time to you know to do a lot of those things the museum is huge so i wouldn't be shocked if they were filming multiple parts of this at like the same time just to get it done you know like yeah yeah they had multiple units. Yeah. Also, kind of a minor gripe because this scene doesn't go anywhere, but what the fuck was up with the scene where David and the kids are making fun of the Asian statue? Yeah. 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 In that the was early pretty 80s. unprogressive for Sesame Street. For Sesame Street, that well, yeah, yeah. No, and then there's like yeah, the secondary thing of because again, I have museum brain, so like they probably shouldn't be asking about the provenance of this statue because this was probably taken by looters. How do you think your ancestors got these? You think they paid a fair price, or did they take it like they took everything else? Do you want to get hexed? Because that's how you get hexed. <laughs> yeah, yep, pretty much. I mean, look at the British Museum, the shit they have there, and then look at Britain. I actually think that was one of the statues that was recently repatriated back to Thailand. Oh, wow, yeah. Oh, good. That's cool, yeah. I also just love how much fun Frank is clearly having. Like, he just goes all out of his way because it's funny that this special is titled Don't Eat the Pictures when Cookie Monster is maybe, like, a side plot in it at most. But Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's a side plot, but... It's a running gag, not even, like, a B-story. It's fucking hilarious. What this movie should be called, if it wanted to be accurate, was Big Bird takes 40 Benadryls and yells at God. (laughs) (laughs) I suspect it was called Don't Eat the Pictures because when they had a test screening of children... Don't Eat the Pictures was the song that the kids uh, liked the most. Um, that is a True. song. That is the only song I remember from this before we rewatched this, like, recently. It's a banger. Like, oh my god. It is a song that should be on the McGruff Smart Kids album. <laughs> You'll be suffering Oh, man. Podcast the ride. 
Yes. I also think that this song too has been like cut into Sesame Street episodes since. So I feel like this song has like a bit of a life beyond the show itself. Yeah. Yeah, it deserves it. I know we're jumping ahead, but while the song's going on, I guess Cookie's having like starvation based hallucinations because he (laughs) sees these fucking angels next to him when he's saying i know he's cookie monster so he wants to eat everything in sight but was he legit that starving like did he not eat anything during the day (laughs) yeah he tries to eat a statue which of course is (laughs) a one-way ticket to having your skull shattered i'm fully expecting that they've been in the museum all day at this point and they can't bring outside food into the museum so he's gone a long time without a snack for him yeah so there's one point in the song where he thinks a mummy is a banana and wants to eat it (laughs) um I feel like if they did even a little research on mummies, they would not have put that in there because you want to know the reason why there's so few legitimate Egyptian mummies left? People ate them. (laughs) Not just any people, white people. Uh, Of, and I cannot stress this enough, course. Yeah, Victoria ate them for like medical purposes and they also use it for uh, powering a lot of the first locomotives as well. So that bit yep. in Futurama where Professor Farnsworth is like, I was going to eat that mummy is based on actual history. Yep, way <laughs> too accurate. <laughs> so yeah, Cookie Monster would just be reenacting what they did in Victorian England if he ate the mummy. I know it's a joke for the special, but I just love the idea of the Metropolitan actually having a sign that says don't eat the pictures because this is all too common a problem. They should have <laughs> left that there. It's implied that it's happened more than once. Nobody would take them, so I had to eat them! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we had a guy on bath salts come in last week. It wasn't pretty. Yeah. (laughs) So do we want to talk about Prince Sahu? Oh, man. Now, this is where the special goes south, because... uh, Holy shit. This poor child. I want to give him a hug. Oh, my God. Oh my gosh, his story. And his cat! His cat is so it's cute! It's a oh kitty cat! No. These are also, I feel like, the sequences that get the most amount of shitty audio, too, though, in there, <laughs> which makes it even more tragic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. How can that be? You're only a little kid. I am not. I am 4,306 and a half years old. Oh, Snuffy. He must be from ancient Egypt. We called it modern Egypt. It sounded like they had him dub over his lines at points, which was a little Mm -hmm. distracting. Yeah. When he's doing his line read introducing himself, the kid actor kind of looks like he's like literally just reading it off of a card that Carol Spinney's holding or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Imagining Big Bird holding the cue card. All right, say your line, kid. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I have a friend who is a former child actor, and when we watch it, there is child acting. She will sort of talk about kind of like what she thinks went wrong with the directing to lead to the performance. Yeah. True. And I feel like if she was watching this, just like obviously this kid had no guidance about how to do his character because it just sort of sounds like he's yelling back what his mother has coached him to say. Because that was the kind of performance he gave. Was like somebody told him the lines and he had to repeat it back immediately. This is the kid's only credit. 
Yeah. yeah. Plus, because they obviously also have to focus on the Muppet performance, so that's probably also what factors in. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. On the show itself, their only real experience with child acting is they just put the kid on stage and say, all right, do whatever, just react to whatever's happening. <laughs> yeah, this, this might have been one of the earliest instances of Sesame Street actually having a child who was a character and not just, like, being yeah. themselves in yeah. a scene with a Muppet. <laughs> Yeah. Most of the kids' child actors on Sesame Street for a long time were like kids of production people and kids of like folks that worked on the set. And I think this also might be the first kid that was sort of like hired that was not a child of somebody working on the street. That's right. Yeah. This would basically be before they got Kevin Bishop to star in Muppet Treasure Island and the like. So, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. The actor's name, and I apologize if I'm getting this wrong, the actor's name is Aram Chidori. Yep. And he sadly passed away in 1994. May he rest in peace. Yep. Yeah, it's very yeah. sad. And a lot of the people are actually gone from this special now yeah, that I think God. about it. It's- uh, yeah. Yeah, I think like Frank is the only living Muppeteer um, left on the crew. Is Martin P. Robinson still on it? or He is, yeah. Oh, okay, okay yeah. Mar- Martin is still with us. No, I mean, is he still on Sesame Street? Yeah. And Bob's still kicking, I think. And, like, yeah. as is Sonia and a few of the other ones. Like, like uh, uh, Roscoe, who plays Gordon, is definitely still with yeah. us. Yeah, Bob's yeah. pushing 89, so he's still doing good. Hell yeah. Not to mention Osiris is an immortal god, so he'll never die. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Boom. <laughs> So Prince Sahu is a little boy who was cursed by a demon to have to try to answer a riddle for five, six thousand years now. So then he could go up to the sky and rejoin his parents. And it's a riddle that even I struggled to figure out initially. It was... Yeah. Where does today meet yesterday? Yes. Which... Why would you give that to a child? Good lord. You're literally being a dick for the sake of being a dick. I always thought the answer was like midnight. <laughs> Look, all these omnipotent beings are just so out of touch with the working mortal. And uh... Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if Osiris inspired the door in Labyrinth because... Oh. Also, hear me out. Sahu is a ghost child who is trapped inside of a public tourist attraction and can't get out unless someone breaks a curse. Is he a sector keeper? Yes, sure. Why not? <laughs> the museum sector keeper. <laughs> yeah, it turns out it's not just for shopping centers well, either. The, the Met does also have a famous fountain, so he probably could have also drawn it. <laughs> <laughs> and then it cuts to a scene of Grover meeting a suit of armor, and it's probably one of my favorite bits in the whole special. That just made me lose my fucking shit even now. Yeah, Grover is pretty useless in this special, but... When he has good material, he's going to use it, goddammit. So, as a kid, that was, like, genuinely one of my favorite scenes. I used to think that knights talked by, like, opening and closing the thing on their head. (laughs) So, for, like, so long, I would just secretly hope that while Grover was trying to get him to talk, he would start talking back to him and be like, Hello, Grover! Yes! You think we are friends now or whatever. (laughs) I don't know why, but I kept expecting on the shots where it's just focused on Grover and you see like a little bit of the knight's arm. I keep expecting Mm -hmm. it to just suddenly jolt to life and just grab him by the neck. Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah, the way that they light that suit of armor is that you feel like it's actually like a performer in there, not actually a piece. Exactly. But that is a piece. 
I've seen that piece. It has been there in the same position since probably I want to see it. before 1989. So I expected that right after Maria and Grover left the scene that the knight was going to suddenly have like a wink moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it lends credence to the theory that this special is positing that Snuffy is real because imaginary friends don't work for anyone else. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm kind of amazed that none of the others ended up hearing Snuffy and Big Bird downstairs. Like, I get it's a deep basement, but come on, they would have heard something. It's not even a deep basement. They're all on the same level of the museum. <laughs> really? They are yeah. all on the same level of the museum. The Temple of Dead Dark, that entire thing, that is like parallel to that entire Greek exhibition that they're all at. And it's like, it's been the same since like the 70s. So it's like, they would have heard it by them. <laughs> There's a giant-ass temple in this museum for some mm-hmm. reason. And amazingly, the security guard, despite working there for God knows how long, has never stumbled across this 4,000-year-old Egyptian child. No, <laughs> barely on the cat, I guess. I, otherwise... The cat I can understand because it's sort of like a blink and you'll miss it thing because the only thing you can see of the cat is its necklace. I mean, he can't even hear the like 14 humans and seven Muppets or whatever that yeah. are <laughs> roaming the museum noisily. So, of course, he's going to miss one little ghost child. I'm going to go do this thing over here. Oh, what was that? Well, and I've noticed that all the paintings he was guarding was like mostly the European sector. So obviously he has a bias. Yeah. Boys, boys, <laughs> sector one, the European sector. <laughs> <laughs> boys, boys, the demon comes at midnight. <laughs> boys, boys, you need to spend three hours on the gift shop. <laughs> <laughs> boys, boys, you don't want to see New York after 2001. It's not ah! pretty. Oh. <laughs> well, at least they're putting a chicken guy there. Thank God. <laughs> oh, geez, Saw- Sahu, you have no idea how close a call it was getting out of there. <laughs> <laughs> also, Bert and Ernie's scene in this is just fucking amazing. <laughs> Bert and Ernie always get the best goddamn material in my yeah. opinion. It's a classic Bert and Ernie scene. It's classic Ernie frustrating the hell out of Bert. It's a dynamic that will never get old, never. but it's just at its peak when it's Jim and Frank doing it. Yeah. He got up and crossed the Delaware. Mm. The New Jersey. The New Jersey, Bert? The New Jersey. Hey, but Bert, if George Washington was going to New Jersey, why didn't he do what everybody does, Bert? What's that? Take the George Washington Bridge, Bert. <laughs> I'm sorry you had to hear that, sir. You know, Ernie, one of these days I'm just gonna fucking snap and just kick your ass right on the spot. Oh, Bert, I don't have spots. (laughs) We forgot to mention in the opening montage... There was one shot of Bert just lustfully staring at a pigeon statue. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Bert? Yeah. Bert? I don't like that. I didn't know you were so literal when you sang about doing the pigeon. Oh, no! <laughs> Bert! I'm calling the police. And Cookie, when he was singing his song about don't eat the pictures, when he was looking at the statue of a woman and he was saying it looks like ice cream, I was like, Cookie, that's still weird as fuck to say. Why is everybody so horny in this special? (laughs) Muppets should not fuck. But they do. Sometimes I think about, especially in the Broken and Beautiful sequence, the people thousands and thousands of years ago who built these statues if they could see how horny 
a bunch of puppets are for their statues thousands of years later. <laughs> Randy, who's to say that they were not jacking it to the statues when they were being made for the first time around? I mean, that's true, but did they expect silly little puppets to be jacking off to them publicly <laughs> in a movie? Do they even know how to comprehend a movie? <laughs> also, I know that the actor for Saw who was a little clunky at points, but he also has such good chemistry with Big Bird and Snuffy. It's he really He gets clean. to ride Snuffy. God, I'm so jealous. That is any Muppet fan's dream right there, is getting to ride on Snuffleupagus. How does it feel to live my dream? <laughs> <laughs> Snuffy says, I'll be your elephant, Sahu, and I want that to replace I'm your huckleberry in the lexicon. Yes. <laughs> Though it did get me very concerned anytime a Muppet told a child to ride them, though, too. Yeah. Like, like, like mm, there are better ways to put this, my friend. Like, I kind of wonder, did they have, like, any safety precautions for putting the child actor on top of Snuffy? They probably had to. Like, I know they'd have the actor inside there and they'd probably have to make sure, okay, make sure you're not accidentally sitting on their neck or something. <laughs> like, yeah. I would think what they would do is cut a hole in, on top of the costume where the kid's sitting and maybe fasten like a seatbelt that looks like fur like on a, the way. Like a booster seat? Yeah, like, something possibly. like that. <laughs> I'm sure they thought through the system and didn't just figure it out on the day. Yeah. Hey! <laughs> Listen, if you fall, you fall. Nothing we can do about that. That's just how we do it here. I, I did love a tiny little thing. They were trying to read the riddle and Big Bird just goes, it's all Greek to me. <laughs> I also do love when Big Bird tells Sahu, oh, Rome wasn't built in a day. And then he's like, what's Rome? That yeah. was good. That was a good line. <laughs> I think my favorite joke is when Sahu's talking about the Lord of the Underworld and stuff. He says, a gangster? <laughs> also, we have one of my favorite line readings ever. When Snuffy and Big Bird say out loud, uh, A demon? <laughs> Which was one of the things I never thought I would hear on Sesame Street ever. That's something that only 80s Sesame Street could give us. Yeah. Yeah, demons exist in Sesame Street. Why not? Yeah. There are so many instances of either Big Bird or Sahu saying in their cute little voices so innocently, and the demon comes at midnight. <laughs> And it's it, it's poetry. And the demon comes in the night. <laughs> and the demon comes at midnight and he says, if I can't answer this question, I'm not allowed to die. Yeah. <laughs> and also Bob has just the perfect reactions when trying to put up with Cookie's shit. He just has to scream at the top yes. of his lungs not to eat the pictures. Anytime Bob versus Cookie happened was like some of my favorite little bits of business there. It's yes. So As Sesame Street's token white grown-up, Bob's full-time job is to physically restrain Cookie Monster <laughs> at the drop of a hat. <laughs> oh, man. We should talk about the payoff of that real quick because oh my God. Cookie Monster basically destroys a man's livelihood. Yeah! <laughs> it destroys a whole hot dog stand. Just, oh, God. I love that bit so much. <laughs> it's adorable, but, like, I feel so bad for the hot dog vendor. Absolutely. Do you also know how much it costs to have a license to sell hot dogs in front of the vet? Oh, man. It came out recently that the yearly cost to have the licensed vendor out there is $1.2 million. Jeez. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bob owes that guy so much money. Yeah. So this man probably went homeless because of Cookie Monster. Yeah. God damn it, Cookie. <laughs> 
<laughs> I've always had the songs in my head, especially Don't Eat the Pictures and Broken and Beautiful, but I forgot how really good they are, too. Just, yeah, yeah, really, no kidding. Yeah, even, like, I'm not the biggest fan of Mother and Children because I think it's kind of a dull yeah. song, especially in the course of it. I mean, it's it's nice. In my opinion, it kind of slows the special down a bit. Yeah, like well, it's it's also the only song without a Muppet in it. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Oh, we should talk about the fact that since the kids are staying overnight, one of the adults makes a point to say, "Well, at least your parents know that you're staying the night with us." So, what are these kids' relationships to the adults? Are they family? Are they? close friends? I... Do these kids live at one of the other apartments on 123 Sesame Street yeah. or do they live like three blocks away? Like Probably. I mean, yeah, those parents probably would have been showing up at the Met like, open that goddamn door! <laughs> I chimed in with a haven't you Muppets ever heard of opening the goddamn door, no! <laughs> but, but if I had to rank the songs of the special real quick, don't, don't eat the pictures is number one, of course. Yes. You're gonna Broken and Beautiful is number two. Mm-hmm. You're gonna be a star at number three, which is the song that Big Bird sings to Sahu later on. Oh, it's that yeah, that song is such a little sweet little It is. That song it's so made nice. me cry. It's so good. Yeah. I want to be your your friend, which is Grover's song, and then Mothers and Children just Throw that one out. That one's pointless. Mothers and children, not to be confused with the mother and boy song from Arrested Development. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Mama! This applies to just about every single special, but god damn, this special reminded me how much I miss Carol Spinney. Just... Agreed. Didn't you guys get to meet him? I did. Yeah, you did. I unfortunately didn't, but... My uncle... My uncle actually gave him a ride in his moving truck. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Very cool. Carol Spinney has some of the best moments in the Street Gang documentary. He has a moment in a new Talking Head segment shot for the documentary where he has Oscar with him. And he's like having a conversation with Oscar. And he has Oscar say, like, are we getting paid for this? And Carol says, well, I am. <laughs> and there's just a beat. And Oscar says to Carol Spinney, you bastard. <laughs> Saying the word idiot on Sesame Street is as close as they've ever gotten to swearing so far. When I met Noel McNeil at uh, Rhode Island Comic Con, I got to hear him say shit. Which, you know, since his voice is basically Bear's, I got to... Marissa, if you're listening to this, Bear said shit. (laughs) <laughs> oh, it's Muppets. It's Muppets. Marissa's definitely going to be listening. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, McNeil actually did have a part in this special, apparently. Yeah, that's right. Yes, he did. Yeah, he I was... don't know who he is in this, but he's in he it. He's in it. <laughs> he he might have been controlling Ernie while yeah. Jim wasn't at the museum. True. Yes. <laughs> I also love the little bit where Snuffy just decides to pass the fuck out. It's like, I, <laughs> nope, I'm done with this existential shit. Bye. <laughs> Snuffy has died. <laughs> Also, we forgot to talk about earlier when Snuffy and Big Bird meet up and they compliment each other and Big Bird like specifically says, Aw, Snuffy, I wore this tie for you. And God, their friendship is so sweet. That's wholesome. (laughs) You know, I always compare 
Big Bird and Snuffy to Zoe and Elmo to show, like, just how fucking healthy it is in comparison. My big yeah. one, I'm kind of going on a bit of a tangent, is um during the Mr. Rogers episode, Big Bird and Snuffy were, you know, having, like, this huge race. And he won, and Big Bird was, like, so worried that Snuffy would be upset that he lost. Aww. Oh, it was so cute. And, you know, they made up. Snuffy showed up, and he was like, oh, I don't care that I lost. I just had fun. Meanwhile, with Elmo and Zoe... There's this one episode I remember as a kid that fucking infuriated me. It's basically the same thing. Elmo and Zoe, they were having some sort of race. You know, last one, there's a rotten egg. Zoe spends the entire first half of the episode just harassing Elmo, going, Elmo's a rotten egg! Elmo's a rotten egg! And then, <laughs> and then this, like, egg shows up and, like, kind of tells his story why the term rotten egg is offensive to him. And so they're like, okay, yeah, you know, we won't say it anymore. We're sorry, dude. So Zoe switches it up and goes, Elmo's a rye potato chip! Elmo's a rye potato chip! <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's grounds for Zoe to get cancelled right there. <laughs> that's grounds for Zoe to get her fucking ass kicked. I'm just singing a song! Hot take, I never liked Zoe at Me all. Me neither. <laughs> and I think the reason why is just... Her voice is so off-putting. She's like a child, and she sounds like she's been smoking like two packs a day for the last 50 years. (laughs) (laughs) She sounds like she's close to getting lung cancer. (laughs) It is always good to see New Jersey get roasted. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, yeah. (laughs) New Jersey jokes are always warranted, and I say that as someone who lives literally a state away from me. my father's a proud son of jersey and he is the number one roaster of jersey yeah nice. i go to see it just to, yeah the only reasons new jersey has some rights is because of the shore more specifically wildwood yeah hmm. because that's the one i have the biggest relationship with. oh yeah but... in action park <laughs> oh yeah that too but also <laughs> oh, every <trash> time <laughs> every time someone brings up new jersey i have to bring up my experience the one time i went we were all driving home from washington dc through new jersey and it was just about dinner time so we decided to stop at a chili's um it smelled like garbage outside <laughs> and as i was eating my view of the parking lot in the window um i just saw this girl like just throw up in the parking lot <laughs> so the one time I went to New Jersey, that was my experience, and it's not far off. <laughs> yeah. I got the true Jersey experience. If slash whenever you guys are coming to Philly, I am making it a point never to take you guys to New Jersey. Yes. <laughs> Every time I roast New Jersey, I'm like, I'm sorry, Harley, I love you. <laughs> but, you know, I do kind of want to get injured at Action Park. Yeah, Don't we all? <laughs> yeah. It's the only way we can feel alive in this Indeed. tragic time. Yes. On a more wholesome note, uh, (laughs) apparently the tie that Big Bird wears for Snuffy in this is the same tie he wears when he's lost in China. Oh, yeah. Was it Japan or China, or did he do both? Both. Oh. Big Bird travels a lot. (laughs) When Sir James Mason is up on the screen, I don't know if he's been knighted, but fuck it, he's a sir in my mind. I have never seen a man look more bored being with the Muppets than I have in that moment right now. (laughs) He is just so disinterested. Well, he's he's not with the Muppets. Yeah. He shot separately. Sure, sure, sure. Before he shows up, though, Big Bird finally clues into what the answer to the riddle is. And of course, the answer is a fucking museum. And he has yeah. no idea he answered it. Yeah, here's the thing. When I looked up on Google, where does today come before tomorrow? The, the answer they gave me is that we know that the letter T becomes before Y in the dictionary. 
That is why we say that today comes before yesterday. Huh. So, what is the answer then? It's like adjacent to a different riddle. <laughs> sure, <Yeah>. why not? <laughs> Did they even have museums in ancient Egypt? Also, where today meets yesterday sounds like it should be a fucking slogan for story living or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> or- <laughs> I thought that was the slogan for Frontierland. <laughs> no, it's the slogan for the pandemic. <laughs> Sometimes you want to go where today meets yesterday. (laughs) You know, it can be said that if there is one small gripe I have with this special, it's the fact that they could have gotten actual Egyptian actors to play them and didn't, but eh. Yeah. Yeah. That said, when James Mason does show up, I was half expecting him to say, half of this museum is stolen art anyway from the actual culture. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Here's what I don't get, and I admit that I am probably wrong here, but maybe it's just because of the fact that I had no nostalgic connection to this at all, but I don't really understand what's so scary about the demon when he really just acts like a bored Jewish grandfather. Yeah, I mean, as a kid, it's just the look of him. It's like, what the fuck? And then it's like, you know, as you get older, you can appreciate it now for what it was, which is just some vaudeville bullshit. You just don't expect demons in Sesame Street. Exactly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like mixing chocolate with mustard or whatever the Heinz Corporation is doing now. You just don't do it. It's definitely makeup that I would have found off-putting as a child. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah. It's also, again, so baffling to me that it is James Mason. You know, Hollywood legend. Yeah. Yeah. The man who tried to kill Cary Grant with an airplane in that one Hitchcock. Um, (laughs) I mean, I guess it connects to another common source of childhood trauma, which is the Wizard of Oz. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. Giant floating heads are just scary. Yeah. 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 See also The Exorcist. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. It would have been even worse if the demon turned out to be fucking Captain Howdy or something. <laughs> That's another point, Allie. Were you afraid of this special as a kid? I was nervous by it the first time I watched it, but I loved it so much that I just kept on rewatching it and just like, you know, because I have no memory for scares, so it would always scare me like like it was the first time every time I watched it. But I was like, again, again, and my mom would be like, you're scared of it. No, again. Like, ah, scary! <laughs> Another weird thing about me as a kid is I was never really freaked out by the demon or by Osiris or anything, but... For some reason, that scene with all the clocks chiming at once was really unsettling. Which brings me to mm-hmm. another thing I saw as a kid. Um, have any of you ever heard of that like one cartoon, My Friend Martin, about Martin yes. Luther King Jr.? Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. There was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was a scene in that where it'd be like a clock chiming and then it'd show like a news thing about his assassination. Clocks just freak me out, I guess. Yes. <laughs> the opening shot of Back to the Future is just yes. too much. So, here's my major gripe with this. It is true that Osiris is Lord of the Underworld. However, he is not the one in charge of the scale. That would be Anubis, God of the Dead. But because I'm sure they could not afford to make a sick-ass Anubis head, which, that is so horrible that they couldn't, because, God, just imagine... Like, the ancient Egyptian animal heads. That would be amazing. Yeah, no, but it's like, they already knew they were going to traumatize them with James the God Mason. If they had another dude with just a fucking Anubis head on, can't it just be like, nope, we're never doing this again. Fuck this mystery. <laughs> Think about how sick ancient Egyptian God animal heads would be designed by the Jim Henson Creature Shop. Yes. Yes. It'd be amazing. It would be amazing. But if they did that, we would not be talking about this today because any and all copies of it would just be 
burned. True. Yeah. <laughs> you saw what they did to the Wicked Witch episode. I don't know. Anubis is pretty much everyone's favorite ancient Egyptian god. <laughs> I feel like this would become a creepy apopista if they had the Anubis on there. You know, it's like, no, but you know the version or like Sesame with the Anubis? Like that would have just become a creepypasta immediately. Yeah. Now at this Absolutely. point, I wish the Jim Henson creature shop did Gods of Egypt. But, like, what happens before that is he's like, all right, put the feather on the scale, and the feather just doesn't show up. God! I do love that they kind of were, like, you know, sort of teasing the feather thing later because, you know, there's so many episodes of, like, of Big Bird losing his feathers and people picking them up, and then it's like... Yeah, there, there's a lot of foreshadowing of Big Bird just shedding feathers over the course of the special. That's right. Oh, my God. To the point where early on, when the grown-ups are reconvening after the fast motion montage... <laughs> The grown-ups are like, any luck finding Big Bird? Just this. And they hold up one lone feather. And the read on it is like, somebody killed Big Bird to send a message. Oh, my God, no. <sighs> hey, hey, uh, any luck? No, nothing. Just, just this. Oh, great. <sighs> <laughs> Kentucky Fried Big Bird. God damn, I'm just imagining what would have happened if somehow Big Bird wasn't there. I just imagine that Osiris would have been like, you finally got the riddle, but I don't have a feather, so unfortunately you're stuck here forever. <laughs> I bet it would have been awkward. They would have just been both staring at each other. Osiris would have been like, so, how was your day? Well, you <laughs> fucked me over again, Osiris, so thanks uh, a lot. <laughs> still waiting on that feather, uh... The weather's been kind of weird lately, I guess. <laughs> so Osiris is played by Fritz Weaver, who also has a long storied career, but I don't think he was ever a household name the way James Mason was. And it's a much bigger role. Again, James Mason, I can't get past in this thing for all of 30 seconds, had to put on a lot of makeup for it. This is the only Muppets thing James Mason ever did. Yeah. It's... If you look him up on the Muppets wiki, it's only this. So it's like, I don't know who he was doing a favor for, or I don't know which grandchild of his loved Sesame Street. And he was like, I want to do something with you, Aww. but it cannot take longer than 15 minutes. <laughs> Saw whose heart is heavier than the feather, and so we can't get in. And Big Bird literally has the fucking bird balls to chew out an ancient god of the underworld. Oh, Jesus, it's Wonder Park all over again. Her emotions are what's causing it. This is almost on par with Woody roasting the fuck out of that one character from Kingdom yes! Hearts 3. Yes! <laughs> it's clear to me no one's ever loved you before. This is why I called this special. Big Bird took 40 Benadryls and yelled at God. Yes! <laughs> That's what causes Sahu's heart to lighten, but I would have loved so much if Osiris was just like, what the fuck? This kid is standing up to me. Okay, fine. I'll let him go. <laughs> Jesus, kid, you're kind of badass. All right, go ahead. I am a little bit scared of you. <laughs> I've seen you in the bluebird scene and I don't want to see what you're capable of after. Broke, big dick energy. Woke, big bird energy. Hey, yo! <laughs> <laughs> so then we get to see Sahu finally go up to his parents and it's and we get to see his cat. Oh, it's Yay! such a cute cat. It's so cute. Oh. Yeah. He's a good kitty. Also, I forever associate that cat with my cat. Just because, you know, I had a cat growing up. Also, I'm not afraid to admit it. I cried during this scene. Yes. Me too. Oh my it's God. a really very sweet scene. Yeah, yeah it is. Scene. Especially when he like does the nose kisses. 
Yeah. God, that was beautiful. And the animation of the star going up to the other stars that represent his parents is just so fucking sweet. Oh my God. I'm sorry, but the line, we have a friend in the sky, fucking broke me. Yeah. Yes. That was really good. Yes, it was so good. (laughs) God damn it, Sesame Street. And again, it becomes all the more poignant when you find out that the actor who played Sahu passed away, you know? Yeah. May he rest in peace. Yeah. And then it cuts back to Big Bird rejoining everybody and just they're all... They're all fucking pissed, basically. (laughs) Maria Maria hits Big Bird at one point. Damn it, Maria. (laughs) Granted, it's a tap, but this scene pissed me off because... In retrospect, considering everything that happens later on where they do find out about Snuffy, they must have felt like the biggest fucking assholes on the planet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, that's why they're not taking any chances with Rocco. Yeah, exactly. I guess I want to see now the extended cut of the adults meet Snuffy episode of all the adults being like, Wait, does this fucking mean all the Egyptian pantheon is also real? (laughs) (laughs) I just love the idea that now they're just like, holy fuck, gods exist. And we just have to deal with that now. (laughs) And then it cuts to the Cookie Monster scene and we get to watch Cookie Monster basically destroy somebody's livelihood. And then there was a post-credit scene where Big Bird pretends to be a statue. That scene got me so nervous because those pillars are very delicate and small in person. And I was like, what is the safety protocols that they had for, like, Carol to get up on there? They probably had the feet on him. Oh, man. Like, nothing else on him. And then, like, once he got up there and was, like, safely secured, then he got dressed on there to do that whole bit. Yeah, like, like, holy shit. When you think about how close they were to sending him on the fucking Challenger. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. How many times has Carol escaped death in in his (laughs) life is what I've been trying to figure out. He did it at least once a day, right? He's just that powerful. I mean, I don't know what I'd do if I managed to just barely avoid getting fucking blown up on the Challenger. (laughs) (laughs) There's workplace hazards, and then there's almost being on the fucking Challenger. Imagine the fucking Punky Brewster episode where they have to explain that Big Bird's dead. (laughs) That would have fucked her up even more. Good lord. Like, that was already a dark-ass episode, but that would just make it even fucking worse. God! Uh, Holy crap, this is such a great special. Just, yes. Before the outdoor scenes, I enjoyed the capper to the Paul Dooley running gags of Big Bird being like, are you the guard here? Well, you did a great Great job. job. We were here all night. Nobody bothered us. (laughs) That was such a good payoff. It was at this moment the guard reevaluated his entire fucking life. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> I also love that he possibly saw Snuffy because of his glasses. It was so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, no more sobriety for me. Yeah. <laughs> I picked the wrong week to quit sniffing glue. <laughs> <laughs> I also love the bit just like where uh, the count is like uh, like one point five million paintings, ah uh, ah uh, ah, uh, uh-huh. and one guard. Yeah. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> and just like Matt, I know how much you charge for fucking tickets to go in there. Yeah. Well, you are not having one fucking guard guard one point five million fucking pieces of art. <laughs> You. No. Now I remember that's the reason we didn't go any farther than like the first entrance because tickets were fucking expensive and we were like, well, there's other stuff to do in New York, like go to TGI Fridays for some reason. <laughs> that's a mood right there. Oh my gosh, it just hit me. It must have been perfect timing for them to have the wedding at the end of Manhattan because they had all the Sesame Street Muppets there. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Mm, there we go. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it all worked out. <laughs> 
but they were just going back and forth between sets. I would love to see the call sheets for both of these productions yeah, and figure out. Like, holy shit, we're dying. <laughs> Should have let Sam Eagle go to the Met. It's called a salute to all forms of art, but mostly American. <laughs> <laughs> Even when they're not like actively doing two productions at once like this, I am so fascinated by these schedules of Muppeteers because so many of them have to be bi coastal doing Disney Muppets and Sesame Street, mm-hmm. doing stuff in LA and New York. I am just fascinated by when they find time to sleep and lower their arms. Sometimes I don't think they did, and that's why they are the way they are. <laughs> Just imagine the back problem. Oh, Carol Spinney got some real rough ones. (laughs) The one time I've seen anything Muppets in person is I was in the studio audience for the episode of At Midnight where the panel was John Hodgman, Kristen Schaal, and Fozzie. Oh, (laughs) my God, my boy. Uh, Your boy. Yeah. And basically, any time the camera was not on Fozzie, he was drooped over the podium. And... (laughs) Basically, any time like they cut for a break, Eric Jacobson was just standing up, putting ice on his arm. Aww. Oh, my God. I imagine it's more preventative at this yeah. point. It's just like they know this is part of the process. Mm-hmm. But but that's just so soul-crushing. Fozzie's fucking dead. Oh, Fozzie, are you drunk? But the second the camera's back on him, he's as alive as ever. <laughs> <laughs> he's a zombie. All right, so... I think I know what the answer is here, but keep the tapes. Keep Keep the the fucking tapes. tapes. Keep them. Don't burn the tapes. Don't keep the pictures. Keep keep circulating these tapes, man. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Protect the tapes. Preserve the tapes. Worship the tapes. This is such an interesting period, I feel like, in Muppet history, because they were still in that kind of weird 70s, 80s. But, like, you're starting to see the 90s polish slowly get on there at the same time. Yeah. So it's such an interesting artifact of, like, that time. It really yeah. is. Yeah. Absolutely. It's such a perfect time period in Sesame Street history, because you can tell that they're reaching the point where they realize, we're never getting canceled. They have the confidence in us now yep. we're never getting canceled but there's also not really like a star character like yeah big bird is kind of like the big deal but it's not like when elmo became the centerpiece of sesame street right <laughs> this is still where it was more of an ensemble piece but obviously with big bird and stuffy being kind of like the bigger leads if this special was made today maybe big bird and cookie monster would still be in it but they'd have greatly reduced roles it would mostly just be elmo zoe abby Maybe Rosita. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I would have loved to see Julia in this. Yes. Speaking of Julia, I don't know if this applies to other autistic people, but museums are fucking autism heaven. Yes. They are. are, Yeah. There is not too much going on. They're quiet. They're full of sick ass like artifacts related to your, you know, whatever you're interested in. Julia would have fucking thrived. <laughs> she would have thrived. Especially if they have sensory exhibits. I would have loved that stuff. Yes. yes. And there's like tons of little quiet nooks around there for you to like calm down and, you know, to relax and stim out, which is always like. Yeah. Sometimes the entire place is quiet, which is awesome. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. It's yeah. like, it really is kind of like a heaven for sure. Not it to mention, really like, is. the sheer amount of, like, low light exhibits, too. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> Very gentle oh. lighting. Love it. Museums, I love you. Keep on keeping on. <laughs> Aww. Aww. Please visit the Franklin Institute in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. It kicks ass. Yeah. Dave and Allie, thank you guys so much for joining us, as always. You guys are absolutely. great yes. guests to have on. This I was so much had fun. had a lot of fun. Yes. With this. 
Yes. Is there anything you guys want to plug? Uh, we do stuff both together and separately, yeah. uh, such Aww. as uh, have a married life together. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we do a podcast on my Patreon called At Home with the Dogginses, which is part of the impetus of all of this. Yay! We've released a few episodes from behind the paywall, and I think within the next week or two after this one drops, we will free from behind the paywall the episode where Ali first brought up Don't Eat the Pictures. Nice. So yes. everyone has the full context. Aww. Yes, Yay! absolutely. <laughs> but yes, if you have a reason to subscribe to their Patreon, do it solely for the podcast. It is the most wholesome podcast I listen to by far. Yes. These two are cool. Yes. I love them. So blessed. Adorable. And I have met them several times. I They're the best. Uh, bad folklore, small the socials. And uh, Doggins on most of the socials. Uh, Doggins87 on the ones that I was beat to Doggins on. <laughs> oh, man. Copyright infringement. Yeah. Uh, D-O-G-G-A-N-S. And yeah, the stuff I do for free that's not behind a paywall is mostly on my YouTube channel, mm-hmm. youtube.com slash Doggins. Yes. yes, please watch them. They're so good. And you can oh, also go back and yeah. hear me on the Big Rock Candy Mountain episode because that was a much less enjoyable watch. So everyone yes. needs to listen to the episode the- twice to make up for us having to watch it. <laughs> and we talked about 10 of those. Oh, yeah. No. Shit. Dave had it on for like three seconds and I was like, I'm going for a walk. (laughs) (laughs) You did not miss out, let me just say. Uh, You can find me at uh, Cosmic Rewind on Twitter, replace the E with a three. You can find me by the same name on YouTube. You can find me on TikTok at Dale Earnhardt's Persona. And you can find me yelling at Osiris for not flinging me into the sky already so I can go kick (laughs) Margaret Thatcher's ass. Yes. (laughs) Fuck yeah. (laughs) Woo. Uh, so you can find me on the usuals mission breakout on twitter you can find me on mission breakout on discord i haven't been on it in a while but i do still have a muppet twitter muppet vision underscore 3d and i'm probably going to be also morphing it into an art account as well so look out for that cool. just a fair warning i am both half muppet hyperfixation, half alfred molina hyperfixation. yes <laughs> that's good <right> there. <laughs> There is no in-between. Then you can also find me summoning Osiris to beat the crap out of him, saying, Why were you tormenting this child? All right, and as for me, you can find me on the usual spots, TylerFG on Twitter, TylerFG96 on Instagram, and now I also co-host the RoboJack Music Hour with my pals over at RoboJack Records. It's a monthly radio show, which you can check over on Mad Wasp Radio. I don't know the exact times yet, but the first episode just released, and it's a whole lot of fun, so I hope you guys can tune in at some point. And as for Channel KRT, you can find us on channel underscore KRT on Twitter, channel KRT podcast, all one word on Instagram. We also have our Discord server and our Facebook group, which you can find in the link tree in our bio. And if you want to help support us, you can also check us out on Patreon, where we have exclusive minisodes, which are coming back very soon, by the way, wink, wink, outtakes and episodes of this very podcast one day early, whether it be a rough cut or the finished episode. So there you go. And as always, thank you so much to Gomer and Chris Rainer for pledging to us at the $10 level. All right. Channel KRT, cut to static.